Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy, with my buddies Mike. Hi, everybody. I'm Pete. Hey, howdy, hi. I wonder if I wonder if our listeners missed us. They did. Did they even realize that we weren't on? They missed us a lot. You didn't check the voicemail. I got we got tons of calls. Who calls anymore? I don't know. Yeah, Those must know. have been like spam calls. Yeah, yeah. I got. Do you want to lower your bills? I got lots of um, Snapchats about it. Is that does that sound more current? I I have no clue what the kids are using nowadays. <laughs> Snapchat sounds about right. I think my daughter uses that. That's what I hear Musically or whatever That's what I hear the kids like I had um I had a fun ride over here So Coming home on the dark highway Oh no another one of these (laughs) Come around Bend in the road Luckily I had my brights on Paying attention Deer right in the middle of the road (laughs) Uh, I had to break I I was able to stop in time Because it didn't run Either when I came up on it, it, it froze for why, a second. Why would it? Yeah, and I braked hard enough that my bucket of wiffle balls in the back of the car dumped out everywhere. It <laughs> makes for a fun noise. Yeah, and then it ran like two steps to the right as I was stopped and honking my horn, and then like turned around and ran the other way. But the reason I was so prepared for deer in the road was. I think it was in the last episode I talked about. I was going to say, I don't know if you should bring this up because it's. We don't want to lose this episode too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You started you started on this road, and I immediately looked to make sure the the sound, or the size of the wave files actually get bigger. Yeah, <laughs> if it cuts off at That's eight minutes, then it's the deer's fault. But yeah, I, I almost hit a deer like a month ago. So this is twice in a month where there's deer just hanging out in the road. My way home from work. It's the last thing I needed after a very very long day. It's <laughs> all right. Well, you're here. I made it. You though. made it. Fear the deer. <laughs> yeah, fear the deer. So I, with the draft coming up, uh, draft happening, if you're listening to this, I um, watched the E60 Mandrich. I don't know if we talked about that a little bit, but I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it was pretty, uh, changed my opinion on Tony Mandrich a lot. As we all know, he was a second round draft picked. In ninety second overall 89? draft pick, yeah. I forget what it was. Ninety ninety? Is that eighty nine? I didn't write 90, that down. Ninety something. Should have wrote right. that down. But number one was Troy Aikman, number three Barry Sanders, number four Derek Thomas, and number five Dion Sanders. Nineteen eighty nine. Oh. Uh even my wife knew at least four of those guys. All Three Hall of, of Famers, so right? All four. Hall of Famers except for Tony Mandrich. So the top five, there were four Hall of Famers and Tony Mandrich. Of course, the Packers got the the bulk guy. So it was pretty interesting, though. It changed my opinion on him a lot because I always thought, I mean, he was a bust and well, did steroids and all that stuff. Yeah, it's just because the drug policy was a lot more strict in the NFL than it was in the NCAA. Yeah, definitely. Um, Saban was his coach, brought him over and... Actually, Saban interviewed in it, and he said he didn't know, of course. Well, he has I mean, to say Just like that, he but... doesn't know that his current player. Anyway. Right. Man- Mandridge was known as the doctor, so he would. <laughs> he didn't say if he administered any steroid shots, but he kind of wink, wink. And, but it was pretty, pretty impressive how open he was in that whole interview. Like He said a lot of things that you wouldn't expect anybody to say. And I guess this is something Shap has been working on all year um, to do, but it, he was just brutally, brutally honest and it made you kind of sit back and think like, I mean, we don't really know these players. We kind of judge them off of just little things that we hear, but I don't know. It made me respect him a little bit more as, as, a, as a guy, I guess. Uh, he went through a ton, I mean, with the, the painkiller addiction because that yeah. was his main problem because he actually stopped steroids uh, when he came to the NFL, so... And then didn't he actually have an okay career after the Packers? Was he on the Colts? Yeah, he went yeah. to the Colts. He actually sat out for, I believe, I don't, I don't remember. I think it was like six to, or it might have been like eight months or something like that. 
but it might have been a whole year actually because he, he ended up going and getting clean mm-hmm. and then um yeah he did have actually a pretty decent career and he had an injury and they wanted to give him painkillers and he ended up quitting football because he said i'm not even going to get back into that stuff so yeah i think it's a longer career than most people will give him credit for or remember yeah. but i think what a lot of people forget or at least i think they forget is the idea that steroids isn't so much like to bulk up and get bigger the the steroids that a lot of people take or the biggest benefit that most athletes really want is the recovery time right um between injuries and things like that so yeah if he quit once once he got to the nfl and he had to figure out another way to deal with the pain of injuries well right yeah he he said that i mean he conundrum. he did he did steroids to bulk though he was strictly he loved lifting he wanted that it's like him and bosworth he loved that that <laughs> yeah. yeah he he was such a i don't know irresponsible kid pretty much i mean that's what he kind of said but um, yeah, he had the SI cover of him, mm-hmm. and it said Mr. Bulk or something, whatever. Um, but actually, that kind of changed his life though, because he actually fell in love with photography, and um, <laughs> so, I mean, he kind of was just amazed on how they could change light and do a lot. So now, actually, he's a, like a sports photographer now, like a really well-known sports well, photographer. He's, he's on both the UFC, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, he takes UFC pictures and stuff too. But yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how he's kind of gotten his life on track and. Um, but yeah, it's just something that you think about, like, oh, I hate Tony Mandrich. Well, I don't know. I kind of respect him a little bit more. Yeah, and I've heard uh, people who covered the NFL all the way back then say, you know, people love to talk about, oh, what a bust, because look at the four Hall of Famers. But they're saying at the time he was considered like a can't yeah. miss. He was. This he like, ran a he ran a faster forty than Emmett Smith. <laughs> That's crazy. And he looked like what Brock Lesnar. Yeah, they're like, saying like <laughs> he was like the most can't miss. O-line prospect maybe like ever. ever so it yeah. wasn't crazy that the Packers, you know, oh, they could have had, you know, you don't De- know. <laughs> Dion or, yeah, Barry Sanders. Yeah, you don't know. And so at the time, yeah, it, it wasn't like anyone saw this coming. One last thing. He basically quit um, doing steroids because the testing was so tough in the NFL that he didn't even want to deal with it. But it, back in college, he used to have the catheter run down <laughs> down his yeah. back. <laughs> so you know, all, anybody the, who's seen the the movie The Program, yeah. So it's just pretty like that. Decent pretty decent Isn't that called the Wizenator? Pretty much, <laughs> but he he kind of made it himself, I guess. And oh. he he remembered the the exact bubblicious gum and flavor he did to plug the uh, the catheter so that he could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was bubblicious strawberry something? He like he memorized it exactly. Like that's just crazy. Wow, I'm a bubble yum cotton candy man myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's a interesting story though if you want to check it out it's the E60. But one other thing, and it's just kind of a segue into our hopefully our next section here. But I watched right after that, it just popped up. It was um uh, I forget the name of it, but it was another E60 and it was about the mountain. Oh yeah. We all love from Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and how his quest to become the strongest man alive and he actually admits in it to doing steroids. Which they do get tested. He's never failed a test, but uh, of course, they a lot of them do do steroids because to get to that, I mean, you have to do something. They all said you, you there's no way you, you can't. I yeah, mean, people deny it, but I mean, look at them. There's a there's no possible way you can get that big and that strong to <laughs> to do something like that. But his his life is pretty pretty interesting. Like the guy, I mean, Game of Thrones really changed him and and kind of got him yeah. off course of that that kind of quest to become the strongest man, which he did end up getting, I believe, in 2018. Um, and now he's defending it this year. So, but yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting man. That's another one you might want to check out, though. I saw a, I think it was Vice did a little, like, mini documentary about uh, strong men of Iceland, how it's yeah. it's kind of a, it's a cultural thing that right. so many of them come from there. Magnus Van Magnus or yeah. Magnuson <laughs> or something like that. And it, it showed, though, just the crazy commitment you have to have to being a strong man. It's a lot of, they were working out early in the morning, and it showed that, the best part was it showed one of the guy's diets, and he was spending, like, uh, like $500 American on food a week. Because yeah. he goes to the grocery store and he just fills a cart with it was nothing but like eggs, eggs and chicken, yeah. 
spinach and like well, maybe a little bit of like steak mixed in there. And that's what he just eats well, every yeah. day. And that's the thing is like he he, he did mention that he was eat, he eats ten thousand calories a day when he's training or whatever, and he's mostly just training all the time. So he's yeah. eating ten thousand calories a day, and he said it doesn't matter what you eat. Like he's just eating. He said when you're sick of eating, you know that you have to eat more. Mm-hmm. So you just keep eating and eating and eating. And it's like yeah. you just see him just shoving pizzas and yeah. it's just crazy the amount that they Yeah, they just eat. like set an alarm when it's time for a meal again. They'll eat right. like whatever, five or six meals a day. But they work out five or six times a day yeah. too. You, you and power lifting wise, you need to really fuel yourself to do stuff like that. Yeah, it's an interesting way of life. Right, but they're so so committed to it, and they they want that title. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them die at early age because of the heart issues right. and all that stuff. Yeah, but he said there's a lot well, of testing in it now. So. You can't sustain that. Oh I right. Mean, yeah. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it one or another. So either you, you take steroids, bulk up so fast, and have to live that lifestyle. But at some point, you're gonna pay for it. Yeah. So either pay for the injuries at the time it happens, or you you exponentially pay for it later on. Either way, you pay. Yeah. Well, Lannister always pays their debts, though. Probably jump in the episode two. Episode two. I found out something interesting about the Lannisters. So you know their their family sigil has the lion on it. The the daily coat of arms, exact same lion, mm. identical. And obviously they they took that stuff from old English, old Irish names. But the where the name daily comes from is a part of Ireland called Leinster. Ooh. Pretty close to Lannister. So I'm mm. thinking maybe George R.R. R. Martin was inspired by, maybe he was looking at some old English, old Irish, but I think I'm a Lannister. I don't have the blonde hair, but I have Tyrion's height, so. <laughs> yeah, you do. I think I'm Team Lannister. You might be a little taller, but. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think of this episode, though? I think it was probably the hand, hands down the funniest episode out of any episode in Game of Thrones. It was quite interesting, that's for sure. So I I There's so many moments of laughing out loud. Yeah. Some people complained that it didn't do much in terms of the plot, but oh, I, I think it was, I it was pretty fantastic. pretty important. There was a lot of important I things that happened in it. Absolutely love this episode. This and is one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. The mo- anything that came out of Tormund's mouth. Tormund was great. Spot on. Uh, There's the big lady around. <laughs> <laughs> She's still here. <laughs> the there was the part where uh, Jamie says uh, we should get some rest, and Tyrion says, "You know, no, stay a little longer." That's that kind of summed up the episode perfectly. Like I didn't want it to end. It felt like this is going to be the last like happy moment for most of these characters. Oh yeah, yeah. we don't know who's going to die, but. Yeah, I just I loved every second of it. Jamie knighting Brienne was that was, huge. That was fantastic. I and all the characters clapping and say, you know but that was a huge moment for I, Jamie though. Yeah, like th- Jamie was always like, "I'm the top. I'm the the Kingslayer. Whatever. I'm I'm that number one kind of knight ever to be born. All that kind of stuff. I'm the top of the world." Where now he's saying, "You know what? I know I don't have it. I am." want to be here to help people and Brigan, I he's I've, even he I, want, I want to knight you and I want to stand by your side now and he's gonna fight underneath her command right I felt like this kind of almost completed the Jamie redemption story he's like yeah. a good guy now well then you're talking about redemption you think of Theon the same way yeah where he saves his sister and then he goes to Winterfell and says I'm gonna go to Winterfell and kind of kind of helped them because of what I did to Bran and and Rickon and took <laughs> took over Winterfell and all that. So they kind of, Sansa and him, Sansa really broke down and, and she, I think she was kind of amazed that he came back. He yeah. saved his life. Like, that whole idea when he was yeah, when she was married to what's his face? Ramsey. The, the worst character right. in TV history. Yeah. But yeah, you kind of went from like hating Theon and, to 
feeling bad for Reek to hating Theon, and then yeah. you, and then you kind of were like hating Theon because he was running away from everything. And, Theon, and now he's finally coming back. He did go to live at Winterfell. It's supposed to be when he was like eight or nine years old, yeah. and so he grew up with the Starks almost like a brother. And I think he's supposed to be about the same age as Sansa. So yeah, it's redemption story for Theon, for Jaime. Always fulfilling that talk that he had with with John Stark or John Stark. I always say that. Point guard. John's, yeah, with uh, John Snow. When can we just call him Aegon now? Where he, um, <laughs> I think it was a scene towards the end of last season when he asked for forgiveness from from John, and basically he's like, "What I can forgive, I do." Yeah, and he's and he kind of gave him that the permission where you can be. Both, like you can be a Stark and a Greyjoy. It's good to see him save his sister and then go back and actually defend Winterfell. One thing that that you bring up Tyrion a little bit, and how he was kind of just wanting to drink and just have fun, and he had a lot of lot of problems in this episode where he was shot down pretty much by Danny and what because now Cersei and, and and that whole army's not coming. So Danny was kind of really pissed off and really probably wanted to kill him, obviously. And he was kind of down. And now you kind of see that she kind of put his trust back in him a little bit and said, I need you safe because I need your mind. But now he seems like he went from uptight to now he seems loose and back to what he was before Danny. So I, I feel like he might make better decisions now. Let's where he so. felt like he was just like walking on ice, I guess. Well, even like he has now, he, you see now how he is probably one of the most cohesive characters in the fact that he brings so many people together and that's kind of what his, one his charm is, but also his worth. But the idea that so many people came to bat from at the point where like most mm-hmm. people were not, that had put his trust in him were starting to doubt him. Everybody came to defend him. Because he, he's had a series of uh, missteps as Hand of the Queen lately. Definitely. A lot of things he's done, a lot of his big decisions lately have been wrong. So like he even says, you know, he says to Jorah and I forget who else is standing there. Is it Varys? He says, yeah, uh, one of you so. will yeah. be wearing this soon. Yeah, yeah. Like he just expects to not even be the Hand of the Queen. But yeah, it was good to see... Uh, uh, Tyrion kind of yeah being like old Tyrion again, everyone sitting in the hall together. Well, what is it with like it was like he was had a it was a Game of Thrones version of a late night talk show where he had like interviews with like he sat with Bran. Yeah, which we didn't over get to, to see. Jamie. Uh, yeah, what did Bran tell him? Huh? <laughs> I know they cut. I mean, he probably has a lot of knowledge now with Bran, and that, he seemed looser after that. That was a weird transition, though. They go from him just sitting down, like, "Tell me the story," and then they immediately cut to him having a talk with Jamie. Yeah, it's like, I wanted to know what that talk was, other than everyone saying that the crypts are the safest place to be. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> that I mean, that, that has to. Everybody mean, knows where they are, so that, how are they the safest? That place has to, to be? mean the crypts aren't really safe, right? Yeah. Because I believe the exact quote was John said something like, the safest place are the safe crypts, which are safe. And then Sansa said, safe, safe, safety, safe, safe, definitely safe. Something like that. <laughs> I think that that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Is that going to be the premonition when we actually get to see some of the, the historical Starks come back to life? I wonder. And they've made too many reference, references to it for it to not come into play. And, and with John just staring at, statues all the time too it's like he's almost talking to them through his i don't know just seems kind of odd and i tried to avoid too much that could spoil it like even the the preview for next episode i it's like i but i have to watch it nothing i don't know nothing it's just a big big time speaking of things that that are disturbing but had to watch it aria's (laughs) aria's scene yeah uh i was thinking uh i it's like Re- your little sister. I rewatched <laughs> season one recently. How old is she's what twenty they're something both, now. Yeah, she's like in her early. Her 20s. and Sansa are the same age. They're both like started the. the I guess they don't feel as bad watching it now. But yeah, they're both twelve. Yeah, like, you started still... at twelve, and by the time this is a film, they're twenty-two. But she just looks so much younger. Yeah, she... that it's like it is kind of weird. <laughs> and I was rewatching season one over Easter weekend because I was painting. And so I just turned on the whole, I said season one on like in the background all day. And yeah, that whole season is like 
Arya's so tiny. She's such a little kid. Yeah, she really seems so young. And then, well, even Bran, my wife is Bran. just like, "Is that the same actor?" I'm like, "Yes, he grew yeah. to look like that. That's how he looks now." Yeah, because he, he used to be long cute. Hair. Now he's like this weird looking, weird looking boy. But yeah, no, Arya. Too. Even too, what made it weird is that back in season one, you know, Arya's the tomboy, and they even cut her hair and disguise her as a boy in season mm-hmm. one. Now she's all growing up. And like, how do you even sleep though at that point? I mean, eyes were open. I don't think anybody was sleeping much. Uh, Gendry was. Well, of course he was sleeping. But it showed Arya was awake. Yeah, most of them just seemed to stay up all night. Talking, yeah. yeah. But And like like the second awkward moment was, what the heck was the story from Tormund about like (laughs) giant's milk? Oh, that was That wasn't awkward. That was awesome. That was just... It just adds to the lore of it's Tormund. Like, I, know, like, I don't just... mind. Like, they could do a spinoff series of Tormund. Yeah. And that'd just... be great. It'd be like watching an episode of Curb, probably. I I had kind of worried that Tormund was funny in so many episodes and, like, stole the scene that it almost felt like there was pressure <laughs> to write him to be funny, like, every time. And I was like, oh, is this going to... They gonna... wrote it in so perfect. I know. I was like, is this going to get old? And then you see him when he shows up with, I brought my own horn veil, and he chugs it down, he yeah. tells that story. And it's like, no, it hasn't gotten old. Dorman's still the best. Yeah. And he keeps making passes. Yeah, he still loves... Like, I would knight you ten times over. <laughs> yeah. But I think that just shows how, how the wildlings are. Like, they're just, they don't care. That's just how they are. And it you kind of need that. A little bit because everybody's so serious, and, yeah, and so depressed all the time. Where he's just like, screw and it. Why? Why can't you be a knight? Well, even, but even cares. Like, you mentioned like where he, where he mentions like, is that big woman still here? And he yeah. has like the rock eyebrow. Oh like, yeah, know, that like, eyebrow. Like, ooh, his big blue it? eyes open up big. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's what this episode was so great because when you just think about everything these characters have been through, that now we're in season eight, and you you have a wildling, you have two Lannisters. Sitting in a room with Brienne, with uh, Davos, it's like you have and all these characters. They're that, knighting a woman. Yeah, knighting. Yeah, why can't uh, you be a knight? Oh, just tradition. So Jamie's just I'll, I'll knight you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a knight. I can knight. Watch this. But yeah, you hold ne- my beer. You never would have thought all these characters would be on the same side, but ultimately, this is what it comes down to: is right. Everyone. It was the it was the woman empowerment episode. Yeah. Yeah, this is this whole series has been really. Yeah, I mean, you get Cersei, Danny, Sansa, some Brienne as a warrior, Arya as a killer. If you want uh, strong female characters, uh, look her no weapon further. was pretty sweet. Arya's or yeah. her uh, Darth Maul. Yeah, but yeah, it's of Dragonglass. <laughs> I I don't know the purpose of it. It it has to have a purpose. So I well, mean, there's got to be something behind when she it. She trained with the waif. They they're always using staffs. Right. I don't know if she feels proficient like with a staff, it. but it's got well, she can just go dragon like, glass on each end. Right. Man, she can just go like Ninja Turtle style, right down yeah. the middle and just because she's I, got dragon glass I, both sides. I think I did catch a glimpse of her swinging it in one of the trailers. In looks like she's in the crypts, oh. so maybe she'll end up down there now protecting you're people. Ruined it for me. Oh. But uh, last thing we kind of need to talk about is. Their plan. Whoa, whoa. You, you don't tell us what the last thing we're going <laughs> to yeah. talk about. We well, one of the last things we okay. need to talk about is is their plan, I guess. So yeah. they all got into, of course, a planning. I don't know what do you call those rooms. A John like, Madden like planning war session. room, like the war room. War yeah. room. So they all got in there. They were all talking about a bunch of junk. Uh, who's flanking what? <laughs> where yeah. to be? And then Bran says he's going to be pretty much bait. Yeah. And uh, Theon jumps in and says, "I'm going to protect you," which is great. Because of what he did to Bran, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. So, um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested. I don't. Will the Night King fall for this? Because I, I, we finally. Because it makes sense. Yeah, we kind of finally he, found out why. Like his motivation. Motivation that, wise, yeah. That he does want to kill the Three Eyed Raven, but yeah, is. But after that, I don't know. So, I would, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go off. I'll let you. Do you want to finish first? Because oh, I'm about go to go ahead. off on a tangent here for a minute, and we're gonna have to insert bleeps. Okay. <laughs> How the f- can your battle st- like strategy not include dragons? Well, that's dragons the thing. were never mentioned. Yeah, we never heard that. I'm assuming that Danny would hang back with her dragons. She'd have to, right? And I'm hoping they would also be there to protect Bran. But, but they, they never. Even, mentioned they don't even that. talk about it. If it were me. 
They would be first thing we talk about. Yeah. Yes. Your dragons are going to destroy the front line piece of it. And wouldn't a, the best way to lure the Night King, wouldn't it be to have your dragons wreaking havoc that he'd have to come with his dragon? Because it seems like if he hangs back too much, your dragons could just burn everyone. Yeah. You don't even need to send troops out. Just burn yeah. them all. But... but the Night King, yeah, for him to show himself, I don't think he's just going to be like, oh, I got to go get Bran right away. Like, I'm just going to run over and grab him <laughs> and see how this goes. I even like Bran's comment when they were when they had like Jamie on trial, and he and they talk about, oh, the things we do for love, yeah. as he just stares at him. Yeah. Great well, that's line. what he. That's what uh, Jamie said to him as he pushed him out of the window yeah. in episode one. Episode one. A lot of, it, a lot of callbacks circle. to yeah. episode one. So. Like every little one-liner, I'm like, oh, snap. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is, well, there's two two other things I want to talk about. Sure. One, Ghost shows up, but not, we don't, no mention. He's, ghost is just He's sitting just there. He's on top of the wall. I he was looks wondering, smaller. Yeah, he did look smaller. I don't I mean, know if he was just CGI'd in. Like, just, yeah, I wonder if, Oh, wait, we didn't put Ghost in an episode yeah. in like 10 episodes yeah, since so, the big fight. So, no mention. So that was disappointing. But, since the bastard bull, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, think so. I don't I think, think we saw him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's been, that was season six. But the, just the last thing that I had notes for was the song that. Padrick sings Jenny's song. It's a little reminiscent of uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. A little bit. Um, so, a little reminiscent of The Hobbit, too, when you think of it. Uh, they're all in, they're actually all around a fire, all the dwarves with with uh, Bilbo. I believe Bilbo. Yeah. Is that when they th- sing and then song they sing of the Misty sing, Mountain? Yes, yes. Cause, uh, I believe so. Anyway, Pippin sings uh, a song called Edge of Night mm-hmm. for Denethor II, who, in his own way, was kind of a mad king. Oh. Plus, he was the father of Boromir, played by Sean Bean, who was Ned Stark. Oh, man. So, so some simil- You're just throwing this. Some similarities. You're getting crazy now. Some similarities in Jenny's song, but that song is. We about- need to have more episodes. You're <laughs> digging too deep yeah. now. Well, that song is about. Uh, Duncan Targaryen, who he was supposed to marry uh, a Baratheon woman, Lionel Baratheon's daughter. He, Wait, what? So, okay. so, so the owner of Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. wanted to marry Lionel Richie's daughter. They had a they had a arranged power marriage. Okay, but he broke it because he was in love with a commoner named Jenny, Jenny of Oldstones, and that's where the song comes from. Old- these names just don't sound real to me. Well, we're, I'll, I'm coming. I'm bringing. You know this why around. they don't sound real? Because you're saying Jenny and Duncan. I know. This, this is, is weird. Where, this is <laughs> okay. Sorry. By Duncan, though, not marrying uh, who he's supposed to marry, marrying Jenny instead. He he had to forfeit the crown, so his brother Jaehaerys became king. Jaehaerys the second. He was sick and died, and know who took over after him. Daenerys II, Daenerys' dad, who is the Mad King. So that's how the Mad King really came into power is because uh, basically the Mad King's uncle chose love over the crown. Is that foreshadowing what could happen in this show? Is it going to be some... uh, Is someone going to be in a position where they have to choose love or the crown? Yeah, that's that's the whole point of John and Danny and that that Chris brought up with the whole stabbing in the heart whatever John's going to have to kill Danny right um so and Danny kind of with that conversation with John when she learned that that he is yeah, he did. is the rightful heir she got something in her eyes like oh crap I'm going to have to kill <laughs> kill this guy pretty much if I want to be she didn't take that well throne. she didn't take Sansa talking about the North being independent. Well, well she took her hand off pretty quick. Yeah, yeah it was so pretty funny how they got all chummy, chummy, and then <laughs> she's like, she's totally turning mad. Yeah, she's like, gonna be the mad kinda, queen. She's kind of cray. Maybe this all comes down to maybe <laughs> they kill the Night King. Maybe Cersei dies, and maybe the final thing is having to kill Danny. Maybe maybe everyone's dead and Danny's alone. She has nothing she gets to what rule. She wants. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna lot lot to happen. Yeah, especially our our next episode is what an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, hour, now now minutes. they're all picking up yeah. into. Yeah, like that move, battle scene is supposed to be the, like, the largest in TV history. The people, who, the Battle of the Bastards, was the same people who did that scene. Yeah, and that was doing was this crazy. one. And this one's gonna be all at night. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Lord of the have Rings, to turn your brightness up. They said uh, <laughs> they said Helm's Deep from the. Uh, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers is uh, inspiration for this battle. So Ooh. that was a long one. Yeah. All right. It's crazy. It'll be crazy. I know. I can't wait. Helm's Deep was a that was like, a crazy battle. Scene. That's probably the best part of Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, really. yeah. No, that's true. Give your daddy like, come on, John. Why are you telling me this? And then the 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 siren sounds. Yeah. What like, timing? Jeez. I guess he had to get it out there in case in case he died. Well, that's good that they show Ghost, um, so when he dies, we'll be sad now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> and with that, we'll talk about some brewers. Hmm, good job. Brewers are in a tailspin as of late. Talk yeah. about up weeks and down weeks. This is definitely a down week. This well, is this is quite the valley. This is like last year after the break. I believe they went on like an eight-game losing streak or something like that. Well, no fear. Gio Gonzalez to the rescue. Is that official? Yeah. Seems like it. One year, two million. Yeah. Lots of incentives if he, if he does good. Uh, it. It's it, worth it, yeah. It I mean, they, need, they need something. They need to do something. The Brewers have the worst team ERA in the National League. What a year has made. Yeah. <laughs> well, do uh, your, even to your concern from even, was it last week? Or even maybe a little bit before that where the Brewers only score off a home run? Yeah. Um, they haven't produced a run that wasn't produced by a home run in over a week. Oh, that's a definite concern. Um, Over seventy percent of their runs this season have been via the long ball. That's yeah, that's not sustainable. They've lost seven of eight. Yeah, things uh things are rough right now. I guess the good news is because of their hot start, they are still five hundred after losing seven of eight. Guess you'll take it, right? Uh, yeah. Do you want to know the other bright spot? What's that? The first base position is up to batting one eighty. Uh, they've been playing Thames more, and I think they have to just keep playing him. Well, they've been playing. They played Grandal there too, just to get a because he's hit, he's hot right now, batting over three hundred. But you could just see. I mean, you see like what the Brewers are just trying to do. Even his like his off days, where he's supposed to have a day off from catching, they're just like we need production at that first base position. Go no, play yeah. first base. Being a switch hitter, he kind of helps where Aguilar's not really doing much and Thames is can't yeah. hit lefty. So Yeah. When you have, though, Aguilar, Thames, and Shaw on the roster, you should not need Grandal to play first base. Yeah. I, it kind of makes me wonder, too, like, the with all the pitching, you know, woes, I guess, guess you can say, and Hayter gave up, what, three home runs in a row game-wise. That's he's never done that in his career, so I wonder how he bounces back. But I don't know. Maybe Grandal is still learning these pitchers and still trying to figure them out too. Where Pena knows them and Kratz knew them, and and a lot of times you've seen kind of Grandal getting crossed up a little bit more than than usual. But I'm not trying to make an excuse yeah. for it. But it does seem like possibly he just can't figure out the the pitchers as much. And he did say. It's a lot harder than he thought it would be, uh, getting getting used to these pitchers. But the quality just isn't there. You have Adrian Hauser, you have what Wilkerson pitching the yeah. game. You have, I don't know, Shasin hasn't been as good as he usually is. And your guys, your your young guys that everybody was counting on, they looked good a couple of times. But I mean, obviously Peralta's down. Burns is. I believe down, right? Yeah, or he's yeah, in yeah. the bullpen right now? No, he got option. Or did he get option? Yep. He, I believe that he's still going to be starting in the minors. That they they don't seem too ready to switch him to the bullpen. So yeah, it just it seems like little things that could that he can fix. So I'm not overly concerned right now. But the thing that overly concerns me that you brought up is 
is the home runs. They're only scoring off of home runs. They're not scoring off of anything else. But then you look at Yelich and everyone's, oh, he's great. He's on, he's on fire. Well, you know, he hits 417 at home. He has 13 home runs at home. That puts him with what? Away from home. He has no? No home runs. I didn't realize that. Away from That's... home. He has two RBIs away from home. He is 233 away from home with nearly about 20 less at-bats. So he has bases loaded today at the end of the game, and of course he checks swing strikes out. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but the splits are ridiculous right now for him away and home, and it's kind of scary. He has 29 RBIs at home, two away. Um, So 14 walks at home, four away. 12 strikeouts away. Six only out. And our road trips have been brutal. I mean, to go from what we played, played at home, home games and things like that, but then you go right to like a West Coast gauntlet road trip back home. It'll be interesting to see what he does coming out of this this stretch from the from the Cardinals. Yeah, that's those are great stats. So I had no idea it was that bad. Like yeah, the splits no, are no home runs, two RBIs. Like, yeah, yeah. Last year he he pretty much hit even. On, on road and home. So that's something that, that's going to need to change, obviously. Um, I, I, they've had, what, the Dodgers and Cardinals, they've lost five in a row. Of course, all, both these series have been away, uh, right? Or no, Dodgers were at home. Yeah, Dodgers. Latest Dodgers. Latest Dodgers. One, yeah. But still, um, that being said, it's just that's something that will need to change is, is scoring not off the home run because that's something you can't count on all year round. Especially with the the pitching being so bad, you're gonna need to manufacture something, yeah, like hit and run and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it was the second game against the Cardinals. It was tied two two in like the eighth inning, and the Brewers had coming up to bat. They had the heart of the order, and Yelich struck out on like three pitches, and then Braun's up there just swinging away, and it was like they retired the side so easily. I think it was Andrew Miller. And then, of course, as soon as the Brewers bring in, like, Alex Wilson, it just felt like everything is work. Like, every hitter gets ahead in the count on the bullpen, and it just felt like that's the problem with the team right now is that our hitters are up there just swinging away, and then our pitchers are up there, like, nibbling on the corners, and I just don't have a lot of faith in either side right now, the pitchers or the hitters. Uh, And I don't know what the real answer is. I'm hoping that... Uh, some of this with the bullpen too is that you take away Knable and Jeffress to start the season it puts Hader in this weird spot of being not just the closer but like the multi-inning you're going to be in every big pressure situation pitcher and we don't really have a an option we have a lot of confidence in other than you yeah definitely he's he's pitched in a third most um, games wise for a relief pitcher, so so maybe it's kind of concerning. Maybe Jeffress back, adding Gio Gonzalez. That at least gives us a lefty starter too, which we don't have. Uh, that maybe some of these guys, their roles will kind of fall into place, and we need starters going deeper than keep getting these two, three, four inning appearances by guys. We talk with Burns like he, if I told you he had almost a seventy percent strike rate. 24 Ks on the season, you'd be like, oh, he's probably having a pretty good year. No, he has an ERA over 11. Yeah, he gives up uh, 11 home runs. Oh, yeah, gives up a home run for... And if you look at his spray chart from a pitching perspective, like he has a, he has a pretty hefty uh, pitch low and away type. That's where he gets most of his strikeouts from, but he has a, a really high percentage that are missing over the middle and up. And you just... You, you cannot do that in this league, especially when you have the fastball like he does. And they're looking for that. They're jumping on that. I don't know. He's got to go down and get that figured out. He's 24. There's too much talent there. Yeah. Not to get it figured out. I guess I'd rather have him struggle now than be later in the season. I guess one thing that hopefully we can look forward to is maybe Chase Anderson starting more. And he did look good against the Dodgers. He did get the win. He didn't give up a home run. Uh, he didn't give up a earned run at all. So yeah. he only pitched five innings, but... I mean, that's that's pretty decent for Chase Anderson-wise. So uh, hopefully he can just be sufficient enough and get five innings and maybe six because hey. that bullpen will need help. And, and the starters need help. Chase maybe a- that maybe that's the answer is yeah. just you put those old guys back in and yeah. forget about the young group. I, I, I had 
a lot high hopes for those young guys, but maybe, you know, Chase Anderson, Gio Gonzalez, Jimmy Nelson, that's what we need in the rotation. Put those young arms back in the bullpen. See yeah. what happens. So, so. What's kind of interesting is uh so the simulated start from Jimmy Nelson, the last one that he had to go through was successful with no setbacks. Scheduled to join Corbin Burns in AAA San Antonio. Where he's gonna have a a start there. So next step after that, if that all goes well, he'll be back in the majors. Yeah, we should see him uh pretty soon then. Early May, yeah, that's what they've always said. So yeah, that'll be a big big pickup for sure. That's something obviously they need the starting pitching is gonna help, but I'm more concerned about the hitting. The hitting obviously they have the lineup, but I don't want to be so so dependent on home runs. Yeah. You just wish you could go talk to like Aguilar and be like, Stop pressing so hard. Yeah. Like you can yeah. see that even the second half. Like it's now after becoming an all star, the idea that you have to put on this burden. Like just go up and hit. Like you can hit. Just you don't have to be the hero. I guess that, that hopefully what like like Salandino coming up. Mustakis did hurt his finger. He has like a fractured fingertip or something weird. Shouldn't be out too long, but hangnail Pete. But Salandino up, maybe hopefully a guy like that putting in Gamma more. These guys get more just base hits. Yeah, that'll help the lineup a little bit more. Don't swing we'll for the fences. Yeah, these guys are not going to swing the fe- for the fences, obviously. So uh, I hope that helps out. But we'll see peaks and valleys. Hopefully this valley doesn't last very long. They got a their brutal schedule is is looking like it's coming up. Uh, hopefully, kind of, kind of, not coming up, but uh, coming to an end. Hopefully, then they get a little well, break. I, I hope. May has some tough games. We got at Chicago, at Philadelphia, at Atlanta. There's always going to be tough but games, but I think June though seems like there's a little bit of relief because the Brewers play like the Marlins, the Giants, the Padres, the Reds. So I think it's make it through May, and it's really the baseball season. It's so it's long, so long, so long. You forget uh, how long the Brewers are sixteen uh, percent of the way through the schedule so far. So don't panic yet. Yeah. So the the Bucks are what? Twelve games away. Twelve more wins. Yeah. Twelve more. Not twelve percent. Nope. 12 more wins. Four down, 12 to go. Four down. Well, for sweep. For everyone who said sweep, I did not say it, but you guys, did you both say sweep? I said sweep. I, guys, I still thought there was going to be one game. I 100% said sweep. What? It's, I just can't believe, too, even the two games in Detroit, Detroit had leads at halftime and got blown out. Blown <laughs> yes. out. None of the games were close. No. Ver, uh, they Ver, gave them yeah, the Bucks played the Pistons eight times this year, and they just killed them most games. Yeah, eight, uh, eight and zero. There weren't many uh, games that were close. I think what kind of sucked about this series. I'm glad they won. Congratulations! Clap, clap! Yay! Good job, mm-hmm. guys. I'm not going to get excited for this. They did what they were supposed to do. They killed them like they were supposed to do. The only thing that sucks is they weren't tested at all. Boston might have been tested a little bit with with the Pacers, so you feel like they're kind of ready. I'm not saying the Bucks aren't ready, but with a Griffin, not a Griffin player, not even close to 100. Yeah. percent He didn't like have a big push in the second half at all. Nobody had a big push in the second half at all. Drummond had no answer for Lopez and Giannis. This this Detroit team was basically like what like you see a eight seed. They're they're not supposed to be in the playoffs really, but. Um, Yay! Good job, guys. Let's let's move I mean, on. Let's get to Boston. And I mean, you still gotta now. be happy that they can make it to second round playoffs for the first time in eighteen years, and the first time they had a a, a sweep in a seven game series since nineteen eighty three. No, yeah, I'm I'm yeah, exci- is- I'm happy, but I'm not I'm not gonna go crazy about this. I know it. it it's nice to kind of break those uh break those streaks of of uh the Bucks struggling, but when you look at the East. It's like the first round of the playoffs were just irrelevant. It's it was a joke. It was sweep, sweep, five games, five games. Those were the those were the series. Right. And it makes like, you wonder how those other two teams lost. 
It makes, yeah. you, makes you wonder why they moved from... Cause didn't they, I mean, at one point in the 90s, weren't they five-game series? Yeah. Like, why don't we like, just go back to that? You just, know, just take away those teams. I know. That's the thing. Like, really, do you need five through eight? Do you need... Right now, 16 out of 30 teams. Do you need most of the league making the playoffs? Uh, obviously, you don't. I mean, yes, the West is a little different. It's a money grab. But, yeah, money grab for sure. Yeah, but, like yeah. the Spurs gave the Nuggets a series now. I think are the Nuggets up 3-2. to Nuggets two. up 3-2. Warriors are up 3-2. The West has been a little more interesting. Sweet Lou Williams went off in the, la- in the last couple minutes of that game. So, But, uh... Portland uh, won their series in five games because Damian Lillard's just—he's ridiculous. Is he the best point guard in the NBA? I mean, this could be recency bias, That's a but bad shot. <laughs> that was a terrible <laughs> shot. Bad shot. That was a terrible shot. But you know what? He's eight for twelve on those thirty-seven footers. I that, think when he put that. No, up, really, I think it's like eight yeah. for twelve on those. That was insane. He stepped back. That's a good too. shot for him. Yeah. He stepped He's, back. He totally. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. He stepped back like he was standing at the three-point line. Yeah, it was crazy. And then as you see it, as as you see it go in, I love the immediate bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Gives a little wave. It's okay, see. I mean, George played it perfect. He he even tried to block it before. He knew it was coming. He had His to do hand the, was up way before. He had to do the step back to get it off because he oh, would have yeah. gotten blocked so yeah. hard. <laughs> but the thing is, he take that shot. So what? It's, you're tied. Right. I know. But if you just freeze-framed it as he's letting it go with Paul George's hand up and knowing that he's 37 feet away, if you told me you got to bet on what happens, like <laughs> guaranteed overtime. <laughs> guaranteed. But that's like the Middleton shot last year against yeah. Boston. Like, there's no way he should have made that shot. Well, he made it. It was like NCAA, really. It was just amazing. Yeah, I know. Well, it's but back to back to Lillard. Yeah, he's it, he's got to be. He's one of the most underrated. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Far. Like he's he's one of the more underrated superstars, and I know it's complete recency bias and seeing him do this. But I was thinking, like, man, I think he's the best point guard in the NBA, and he never gets mentioned for that. That's the thing is he he always has a beef against him not making himself not making the All Star team a lot too. So yeah, yeah, I do feel like he is one of the best out there, and him and paired with McCollum, they're pretty deadly. Yeah, especially just. The fact that Curry, he's banged up a lot. I know Curry's still great, not to take anything away from him, but it almost seems like first-team NBA should be Harden and Lillard in the backcourt. I don't know. It'll probably be Curry. Westbrook. Westbrook. Those guys get more buzz than than uh, Lillard does, but yeah, he's a great player. Coming out of that Piston series, until that last game, like you talk about being tested – you have to feel good at least. They put up what they did, came back what they did, and until the last game, Giannis didn't play more than 28 minutes. They played 32, I think, in that last game. And Giannis wanted to make sure that they were going to win that game, scoring 41. Mm-hmm. But the disparity of free throws was crazy. It was like the NBA said, no, Pistons, you have no chance. Because it <laughs> yeah. was, I was kind of like almost embarrassed in how much they were fouling. Granted, Griffin did say we did foul a lot, but he said there were some out there that probably did, shouldn't have gotten called. But Obvious, but what Giannis made more than they shot or something like that. He said, and, and Giannis right? wasn't even shooting well. That was one of the only concerns from that series. Is I think he uh, he finished maybe around fifty percent from the free throw line in those four games. Yeah. So hopefully he gets that uh, that squared away before we actually start playing a little more competitive teams. How do you stop the Bucks? How does Boston? How does Boston stop us? How do how do the Bucks lose well, this series? I guess. Well, especially since they they what they hardly got over a hundred in any one game. It was like a defensive struggle. The Bucks are they were like the best defensive team in the league, right? Yeah, I just don't know how they keep up. I be believe they finished the best defense and like third most efficient offense. And like the, your bo- Mike, your boy Snell played the last <laughs> game, so I mean he's, he's get him back. in there, get him in there, get Brogdon back. I the think team, the team gets stronger against like the Celtics, right? Like this team gets stronger, yeah. As we get turned to the first game matchup in, on Sunday, yeah. Is that that's all that's been announced, right? They play noon Sunday. I think they they released the whole. Did they finally get uh, yeah. noon Sunday? 
Because I think uh, for the Celtics, having swept the Pacers, I don't believe they won by more than eight points in any game. They're all fairly close games. A lot of games didn't even go into the hundreds either because, well, Pacers are just... I'm amazed how good that team is without Oladipo. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it comes down to Kyrie Irving and Bledsoe. Like, Bledsoe has to match Kyrie Irving, don't you think? And then Lopez has to get his. Lopez has to dominate. Lopez has to keep blocking shots like he has. You know, I think he, I think he has the most blocked shots in the playoffs so far. I think he's averaging like he's averaging three and a half blocks per game. That sounds right. He has a block party like every all the time. So he protects the paint very well, and that's something that's going to be huge with with all their slashers and stuff. But it's all of our big guys. Even Giannis, like we have a lot of rim protectors. Yeah. The idea that we can, like it, you have to score from outside the paint area. Yeah, but the thing that's going to be interesting, well, with Lopez is is that, well, him him guarding Horford, let's say, mm-hmm. can he stick with them? He's shown that he can stick with people and has quick feet, obviously, to stick with, like, in that Detroit series, he could stick with Griffin even. Obviously, Griffin was not 100%, but it is pretty interesting. How much is he going to play, I guess, in lineups? Where is it going to be mostly Giannis at center? I don't know. That's where it's kind of comes down to how can Lopez be on the court maximized the most because I think he makes a huge difference when he's out there. He's a huge plus in the plus minus in every game. Granted, Drummond's trying to guard him, but I I still think mm-hmm. he could dominate the the Celtics too. But it's just a matter of defensively quick enough. Is he quick enough to quick stay with Horford? I, I, I know that that's a big question for me. So I think it's official that the Bucks are going to win just in the fact that Colin Coward. Said that the Celtics were going to win. <laughs> oh yeah, Mar- mark it down. Then it's it's done deal. The only way I see the Celtics winning is they would have to Kyrie would have to play great lights out, and they would just have to shoot really well from three, which they did against the Pacers. They shot pretty well, but it would take yeah, like all their guys like Hayward, Brown, Tatum. Kyrie all just killing it from three point range. I think that's the only way. That if they could yeah. keep that up an entire series, it's going to be tough. Yeah, tough. Um, and with the Bucks having home court, I mean, I'm I'm not saying there's no chance for the Celtics. I'm slightly nervous just now that we're getting to. It's the, becoming a big rivalry. Yeah, the the best teams. I think the Celtics will play the Bucks tough, but I'm kind of have a a quiet confidence. So. So do you like that the Bucks pulled like first game is Sunday at noon? Like can't we get a like a three PM game? Not even uh prime time. Although I think that's a that's a perfect time for me. It feels like football. Right. I, I don't like any twelve's twelve's okay. I like every Packer game to be at noon. Noon on a Sunday, that's a good way to start. Because if it's too late in the day, then I get a little nervous just thinking about it all day. That's can't true. Have, can't have that. Yeah, game two gets you to Tuesday, the thirtieth. Game three is Friday. So yeah, it goes Tuesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday. Okay, so they do have it all out. I was I was curious as to uh, what nights I need to uh, not do all my work. Yeah, so, work. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a so we had a pretty good confidence with the Pistons. I mean, Mike, you and I, we thought that like they probably squeak one out. Pete was really confident and ended up being correct with the with the four game sweep. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about this series? What are your predictions for this series? It's easy. Bucks in six. It's a good <laughs> good fallback. <laughs> um, I think just my little two cents, I guess. Lopez, Bledsoe, and Miritich are gonna come up huge for this team. Miritich started to show how deadly he is from three-point land yeah. late in those games. Uh, Bucks and four. Whoa. <laughs> so I'm calling it another I thought, sweep. I thought, I thought I was going to be the bold one saying Bucks and five. Bucks, Bucks another sweep. I'm calling it. I think I think their second, their second team and how they can switch up their lineups, well, I think it's impossible to stop them. I think this is cute. Four, five, six. All there right. we go. Do you want to call it now, 16-0 in the playoffs? Oh, my gosh. No, I can't do that. I'm too nervous to do that. Okay. <laughs> I do think this is, as much as Giannis wanted to show up and make sure that we got out of, like, the Pistons, 
I think this is going to be a statement series for them, especially after last year, the way they got kind of – I think they had a, they were the better team last year, and they lost that first-round series. So I think this is going to be definitely a statement. Yeah, Giannis will be a man on a mission. He's definitely a different player now. So to wrap this up so we can get you guys out of here, by the time you're probably listening to this, the draft is either underway or we'll probably know who we drafted. And Marshawn Lynch is still retired. <laughs> we think. <laughs> I won't know until it actually happens. Until he gets past the – when he as soon as he gets to Hall of Fame eligibility, then we'll know it's, mm-hmm. it's done. He really put the Raiders in a pinch again. Not again, but he, he put them in a pinch because they have three, what, three picks in the first round? Yeah. And they were hoping to reload on their defense, and now – it's like totally they have to take a running back, right? Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, they had to have an idea that he was close to retirement. I, I mean, guess. you can't bank on I guess. a guy that old forever. But. And like Jalen Richard was okay. Like they have some options. Isn't Ajayi still available? So, I mean, if they want yeah, to go sign somebody what about as, muscle, a, as a stopgap. What muscle hamster? Is he still signed with them? <laughs> Doug so. Martin? Uh Do you guys think, is Kyler Murray the number one pick? Yes. Is that... Done deal yep. for sure. Ninety nine percent. Yeah, it would probably take a lot to to get them out of that. the The biggest question comes with Rosen. Does Rosen get traded now yeah. to the Giants? Is just kind of like that big, the I, big uh, news on that, right? I do think the draft's the most fun one if the number one is actually up in the air, which it doesn't seem to be very often. But I do think if you're the Cardinals and you weren't gonna take Kyler Murray, wouldn't you? give a ringing endorsement of Josh Rosen, wouldn't you be like, Rosen's our guy, we're not talking about drafting a quarterback. Right. Instead, they've just been like, everything they've done has just hinted at, yes, we're taking I mean, Kyler I mean, Murray. there's been some speculation that the Raiders were going to trade up to get that number one overall pick, but I think it's kind of dead right now. I wonder who the Raiders would want if they want number one Bosa. Yeah, I don't, we'll, we'll see now. I, this is fun, too, from the Packers' standpoint because it could be – almost anyone i've now seen mocks where there's like a arms race for tight end where uh hawkinson and noah font are gone by pick 12 <laughs> and then that means someone like a i think that's a little crazy but. yeah it could mean like a devin bush or Jawan taylor falls to the packers so this is going to be a fun draft i think yeah positional wise what do you guys want to see in the first round with let's say they have one pick. I really think that last one's getting traded. So let's say they have one pick in the first round. What position do you want to see picked? Uh, all things being equal, I would like a a front seven player on defense. I'd like to get someone like a Devin White or Devin Bush at linebacker or even like Rashawn Gary, some uh, Ed Oliver, D-lineman. I'd like front sevens, probably my... Number one. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think Devin White makes it to us. Yeah, so I think probably you're not. probably left with Devin Bush. But if if by some reason like a, a Jonathan Williams or like like a tackle falls, I would say that'd be a shoe in pick to try to help shore up that line. But yeah, yeah, I think a, a front front four would be a, a good or a flexant linebacker would be nice. Yeah, I have a feeling though we're gonna go for a skill player though. I'm okay with a skill player. I just think uh, there's still going to be quality guys at the end of the first round into the second, like uh, A.J. Brown, the wide receiver from Old Miss. I would, I'd be okay taking him at 30. I'd almost rather, I think, go defense at 12 and wide receiver at 30. But So what wide receiver would you want if they did go wide receiver at that 12 spot? If they went at 12, I mean, it seems like it would have to be DK Metcalf. Like DK Metcalf is Marquise Brown, Oklahoma. Yeah. I think uh only only Metcalf is is the guy that they would take that high. That's why I'd be fine waiting and getting someone at at thirty, because I think it's it's kind of just even. I don't even know if Metcalf if I believe that much in him being the clear best receiver. And you're okay letting one of the the big tight ends walk? Yeah, the, it's gotten too crazy. If if now like the Lions, Bills, and Jaguars are all all want tight ends, 
They have so many other needs. I, I just can't believe you'd win. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. That's, I, why, that's why they are. Like, yeah, they are. I think tight end is thin across the league, and a lot of teams are just talking themselves into it. Just, you know, it just kind of dawned on me because, I mean, the, the 49ers are pretty much a shoe in for Bosa, right? They're I not going to have, like, so. they're going to have a front, front line of uh, D Ford and Bosa. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty, uh, Pretty good transformation there. Go from one of the weakest defenses to probably one of the the best rushing. And the uh, the Chiefs, after getting rid of D Ford, they pick up Frank Clark and give up their first round pick. So Seattle now has two first round picks. So Seattle, that was a very interesting move. I think the Chiefs really showed how they want to just upgrade that defense and pay. I mean, they paid him. Handsomely, yeah. what is it? Five years, one hundred five million, yeah. sixty three million guarantee. Is he worth that? Um, I, uh, he's. Like um, I think he's consistent, and he's young. He's twenty four, so it's. That's I don't know if it really. I, I think he's warranted. I think he warrants that. Maybe not that much. I think he's like the third high pay, highest paid defensive lineman now, or defensive end, right behind Cleo Mack. I suppose they, they switched to a four three, didn't they? Yeah, they're switching yeah. to a four three, so he's perfect. He fits he's perfectly in that personnel, but. But that's interesting is that they paid him that much because they're kind of just like like the Rams where they played all these defensive guys because they have that quarterback that's young. And they know true. they ha- you have this window where it's like you need to you need to win something if you have that quarter. I mean it's, Mahomes it's true didn't throw 50 touchdowns on a whim. Mahomes is the best value player in the NFL. Yeah. They're getting Definitely. more production per dollar out of him. Well, that, so they got Matthew. That's how you kill, like that whole, yeah. even, like all of that, like between their their skill positions, the tight end spot, wide receiver spot, and quarterback, all were what, less than, what, $30 million a year? Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're getting so much value that, yeah, you can afford to overpay. That's why. But you're over, because you got the defense guy, who, I don't know what the numbers, like, guaranteed are. So if it was. $63 million. Over how many years? Five years. So it's five years guaranteed. So you're paying that guy for that. Like they do know that they're gonna have to eventually pay Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I I think it it's kind just interesting how bit. it. Yeah, a little bit. But it matters how it's structured. Structured too. Like a lot of these contracts get structured in weird ways sometimes that we don't know. I didn't look at that to be honest, but I just think it's interesting how the Chiefs obviously are trying to do what the Rams do did, and they got what Matthew and. They got, a, I think, a couple yeah. other defensive players, but I mean, it's probably a good trade. What were they had? What was it, the 29th pick? Yeah, but it's interesting just the way they they went though. From their defense was terrible last year, but terrible. they had a great pass rush. But they they're switching everything up. They get rid of D Ford. They get rid of Justin Houston. They bring in Frank Clark. They still have Chris Jones. It's going to be a different look team, and hopefully with better results. Because despite their pass rush. They were just teams moved the ball too easily on them, yeah, including definitely. the Patriots in overtime. So Frank Clark had 13 sacks last year. He had nine the year before and 10 the year before that. His rookie year, he only had three. So he's pretty pretty consistent, hasn't missed a game, it looks like. Maybe one game. Just a, just a final tidbit on our Chiefs talk. So I don't think we alluded to too much, but Terry Kill's looming. Potential mm-hmm. trouble. He actually got uh, no fouls. Were actually going to be charged. charged. Yeah, mm-hmm. that still doesn't mean he's going to have something happen to him, for sure. No, but it, it does. It does kind of ease the the concerns right. potentially of a lifetime ban. True that, but possibly the Chiefs might get a little cheaper with him because of his issues. Can the Chiefs pass rushers not have the most generic names ever? Chris Jones and Frank Clark. I'm going to forget those all season. They need standout names. Yeah, we'll but give at least some those you could just pull. Like, hey, pull some random name. Yeah, yeah. yeah some, just, some, yeah. Jones. Jones. Oh, yeah, good call. Yeah, that Jones is good. <laughs> so just, just one little thing on the other part of that deal. Like they have like Equiminius. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you need Equiminius and MVS. Emotep. Um, Seattle. Have, we never really talked about Wilson's four-year hundred. He's oh, the highest-paid yeah. player in the NFL right now. And they're going kind of the different way where they're probably looking at young players and rebuilding that Legion of Boom. So they have a, a they got a first, um, they exchanged thirds, but they have a 2022nd. I don't know how you pay sent. Russell Wilson that kind of money. 
Well, it goes just to your point you were making, Pete, about uh, the Chiefs and Mahomes. I mean, Seattle, when they had Russell Wilson for cheap, they, they were won able, a Super Bowl. Right? They were able to pay that whole defense and keep that whole defense together. Where are they? <laughs> they gone. The, <laughs> I think who's left? Bobby Wagner. <laughs> that's Maybe, about yeah. it. Yeah, from that whole awesome defense. So yeah, that's just the way it goes in the NFL. Yeah. Quarterbacks get so much money. It's ridiculous. Last but not least, you guys talked about tight ends. And Gronk, you know, he left his mark. He left his mark on the Lombardi Trophy. He sure did. (laughs) He basically used it as a bat. He did the most Gronk thing ever. He used it as a bat. Everybody thought he wasn't going to swing. He swung the Super Bowl trophy, hit a ball, and there's a permanent dent in the trophy. And it's displayed. And with the, a dent. The Patriots said they plan to leave it like that yeah. because it's an interesting story. I guess when you have six of those trophies, it's okay if one of them's dented. But I guess, you, I mean, I don't feel bad for the Patriots or anything. I mean, if you give Gronk the Super Bowl trophy, and what are you, he's going to do, do something to it. Yeah. He, you can't trust him to. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to know what happened to the other five. Yeah, he, he's. So, you can't trust him to bring it back. And so wait, like, so what are they? Because I, I know a lot of teams are what they let the, each player have it for like a day or whatever else. So like, they were what? throwing out the first pitch at uh, Boston, right? Yeah, for the Red Sox. But the thing is, it w- this wasn't even during the first pitch. This was just like them warming yeah, up. Yeah, they were in like a tent. They're in a tent, and he was just screwing around. And yeah, someone, Edelman threw the pitch. He threw the pitch, and he stuck the trophy out. Like and the, he bunted. bunted it. Yeah, he wasn't. He didn't swing it. Yeah, he bunted. That's right. And then, like, yeah, he cheered. And then when they showed the trophy, it's got a <laughs> baseball dent. Uh, Did you guys watch the video? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He like bunts it. Yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> hey, but hey, hey nobody's gonna care. Only Gronk can do that, right? Do you know how? I want, I want him to like dig a full out uh, home run swing. He well, was, it seemed like he was going to, and then he's yeah. like, oh, I can't do that with this. I'm just going to bunt it. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's throwing a ball at it. Do you know how many lemon drop shots he had probably already had that day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Going to miss him. He'll be back, right? Mm, they I, don't all, I don't think no? so. Right. so. I could see him maybe coming back for the playoffs if if the Patriots will be back. if Like an Antonio Gates style, like if they need to. Well, no, they have their next tight end, Demarius Thomas, so they're oh, fine. That's true. Remember, I, he's the best tight end, I said, last year. That's true. He's Good one call. of the best tight ends in the league. Good call. Uh-huh. Hey, he'll 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 probably flourish in, in Patriot sure land. Perfect dump-off guy. Dump-off for 90 yards. All right, so by the time we meet you guys again, we'll get to talk about a little bit of what, what happened in the draft and who the Packers have and kind of break that down a little bit. So looking forward to that. Yeah, can't wait. With that, we'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye, everybody. Farewell. Sayonara. Goodbye. Is that? I don't remember it. I don't know. You need three of them. No, I have three of them. Can't think of three goodbyes. Adios. Ciao. Ciao. What are you to say? Is that one? I'll be back. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know my German well enough. I'm tired tonight. It's almost two o'clock in the morning. And my mouth is so dry. Mine is too. Coke is not good before podcasting. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website questionabletoreturn.com Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at questionabletoreturn You can also like us on Facebook facebook.com slash questionabletoreturn Follow each of the guys on Twitter for Andy at Andy the number 9 M-A-N Mike at Mike R. Daly and Pete at P. Cozy with a K Junior J.R. Please consider leaving us a five-star review as well as sharing us with someone you know.